So we are, um, we're currently working through a series of talks looking at these things we call our hallmarks, um, which are words and phrases that over the years we have used to describe what we aspire to be like as a church and what we want to grow in. And today we're looking at the theme of generosity. Um, and of course, there are many different expressions of generosity. You can be generous with your time, with your words, with the resources and so on. But today, I am specifically talking about generosity in relation to our money. And as I do that, um, I'm mindful that, um, you know, in this room, there's a lot of people and those watching online, there'll be a range of situations, there'll be a range of opinions about this topic. There'll be people in this room who are perhaps quite comfortable um, with their money right, right now and those who are struggling. There'll be people in this room who are passionate about um, generosity as part of their faith and there'll be people here who are yet to make up their mind about God, let alone about giving to church. Um, and I'm also um, painfully aware that we're in the midst of a, of a cost of living crisis. Um, you might, did, I don't know if you saw in the news this week, Nottingham City Council are considering declaring bankruptcy at the moment. Um, our own um, debt um, counselling service, Step Forward Money Advice, apparently they are seeing more referrals than ever before, um, and where they would usually have hoped to see new clients within two weeks, um, they're currently looking at January. That's what it's like, and many people in the meantime are left struggling to, to just to cover the essentials, food, electricity, gas, and so on. So whilst in this talk, I want to faithfully present what I believe to be Jesus' challenge to us all to be generous people, um, I'm aware that there are many in this room for whom this is a really difficult topic. People in this room who, through no fault of their own, are, are struggling financially or in debt. And I don't want to exacerbate the situation for you. And I'm also conscious that as I approach talking about money, um, churches sometimes have a reputation for being a little bit like after people's money, if you know what I mean. Um, if this is your first time, I guess there's probably going to be somebody who it's your first time here today, and you're like, I knew it. I promise we don't talk about this all the time. Come, you know, like once or twice. Come back for the next 51 weeks and let us prove it to you. <laughs> but um, yeah, on that, I remember a while ago I was in a pub and um, I overheard a conversation on the next table and it was a, a woman having um, lunch with her dad. And she'd explain, she's explaining that some people from a local church had invited her along. And she said, they'd like to bless me. And the dad said, bless you, my beep. <laughs> He said, they're after your money, that's all. And so I thought, oh, we can't be having this, people thinking this about the bride of Christ. So I dashed across the road to a cash machine and I came back to their table and I said, look, I'm sorry, I hope you don't mind me being, you know, I wasn't being nosy, but I overheard your conversation. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm part of a, of a church and we definitely aren't after your money. I don't believe God is and I believe that he does want to bless you. And so if it's okay, can I pay for your lunch? And it went really well. They responded really, like, they were really grateful. And they pulled up a chair, in fact, so I could sit down and talk to them some more. Now, I don't share that story to make me sound generous. Just to put it in perspective, this was Weatherspoons, all right? So, <laughs> it's no biggie. But to stress the point that we want to be a church that would challenge and defy this idea that churches are tight, that churches are after people's money by expressing and modelling radical generosity inspired by Jesus as we do so. That's what we want to be like, isn't it? We want to be a church like that. 
Um, and there are so many of you in this church who, who do this. Um, for example, I heard about a couple in the church that spontaneously gave some friends a thousand pounds after they had experienced redundancy and faced moving costs. I recently heard about a church member who were struggling to pay their UK visa application as a student on a limited income and having sent much of what money they did have back home to support family in Zimbabwe. They found themselves with six days to find over two grand, only to be given about half of what they need via anonymous gifts from church members. And thanks to this and some subsequent money that came from elsewhere, their visa was just recently approved. I heard about a woman in the church who one day she just felt prompted to give the takeaway delivery person a 20 pounds tip. And apparently this, this chap first refused, but then he visibly buckled at the knees and told her he needed the money for new school shoes for his daughter. I heard about a staff member who works here, who his bike, his only means of transport broke and he came in to find an envelope of money on his desk, enough to pay for the repairs. I heard about a couple who part of the church with several kids who kept pouring money into an unreliable car that they couldn't afford to replace and they were given £15,000 by church friends to buy a new car. And do you remember earlier this year, um, we took a special offering for the Dreaming Impossible Youth Festival. Do you remember that? And do you remember you gave £139,000? And I believe all of these examples, and I could, I could go on, I think they demonstrate that this hallmark of generosity is alive and well and in this church. It's not just a word for us. It's not just theory. For so many of you, it describes what you're like. But the point that we've been making like over and over again in this Hallmark series, as we've looked at you know, compassionate and outward looking and um, naturally supernatural and all these things, and today generous, the reason we want to be like these things is because Jesus was like these things. We want to be like him. And we've been saying, haven't we? We've just nicked them from Jesus. We've plagiarized him. And we want to look at every area of our lives, in fact, and ask questions, therefore, like, so what did Jesus say about this? What did Jesus think about this? What did Jesus do? And so I want to spend a bit of time, as we look at the theme of generosity, asking some of those questions. What did Jesus teach about money and generosity? What did he commend? And what did he himself do? And then like, in the second half of this talk, um, I want to focus a bit more specifically on the particular expression of generosity that is giving financially to the church and trying to look at like, why would we do that? So first, what did Jesus teach about money and generosity? Um, it might surprise you to know that Jesus talked more about money than just about any other subject. Apart from the kingdom of God, it was like the second most common thing in his teaching. And so I haven't got time to go through everything that he said, but there is one aspect that I want to focus on and pick up on, and that is the idea that generosity is an investment in eternity. I recently heard um, this talk by a chap called Richard Garnett, and it was extremely powerful. He shared his reflections on the theme of generosity in light, in light of the fact um, that he's currently terminally ill. And he explained, like he told his life story and how he had um, run a successful business. He'd acquired quite a bit of personal comfort. But one day he had been reading um, in Luke's gospel and he found himself challenged by the teaching of Jesus. And I'm going to read the bit that struck him. Chapter 12 of Luke's gospel. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 
And he told him this parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So it's like a successful farmer. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And Richard, that chap, he explained that confronted by this reality, that this life offers us finite years to invest in eternity, he said, my mindset just shifted. He said, my mindset moved from what's the minimum that I can give and get away with giving before God to what is the most that I can invest in eternal treasure while I've got the chance. And he went to make some radical choices about how he uses money, investing in kingdom initiatives and explained the more I invested in the kingdom, the more joy, the more joy I got, more than the joy of a new house or a holiday or whatever it might be. And it really struck me. He held up a bag of Chocolate coins like this, you know, Christmas money. And he said, all the money that we have in this life, this side of eternity, is like chocolate money. We can, we can eat it, we can take it if we want. Or when we invest it in what God is doing, it transforms into eternal treasure. And he said this because this is what Jesus taught. After telling that parable, he went on to explain. He said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. So this is what Jesus taught, that when we give to the poor, when we resource the church, when we help somebody who's in need, when we use our resources for God's kingdom purposes, it has eternal worth. It echoes down eternity. So having looked at what he, some of the things he taught, what did Jesus praise? What did he celebrate? What did he commend? And here I want to focus on a sacrificial heart. There's a beautiful story in um, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12. I'll read it. Um, Jesus, one day, he went to visit the temple in Jerusalem and it says that he, he sat down off, off, opposite the place where the offerings were put and he watched the crowd um, putting their money in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and she put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. You see, the point of this story is not the idea of like, oh, every little counts, is it? It's rather that this, this widow, she gave all she had. You know, some of them, they gave large amounts, but they did it, Jesus said, out of their wealth. In other words, they were giving in a way that wasn't really hurting. It wasn't, it wasn't a sacrifice. It didn't cost them or they didn't have to give up anything that they wanted to do it, but she gave what she had. And Jesus wasn't bothered so much, evidently, about the amount, but the attitude. He was less concerned about the size he was more concerned about the sacrifice, less bothered about the optics, more bothered about the heart. And the widow's small offering represented a heart that was just fully given over to God, trusting him as her provider. She gave sacrificially. And 
Some of you might remember a story um, that's reminiscent of this. When we were doing um, the building, one of the building expansion projects, there was a chap in the church who, came, who approached John Wright and he said, um, look, I don't have very much money at all because everyone was like, you know, giving generously to the building expansion. He said, I haven't got much money, but I was thinking, what if I got a Tupperware box and I cut a little slot in the top of it and every week I could put a pound in it and then maybe some weeks I could, you know, it might be 50p, but, you know, the idea at the end of the year, I could give that. Would that be acceptable, said this guy. And John, of course, said, acceptable it's wonderful. And I think this widow's story tells us that it is, that God sees the heart behind a sacrifice like that and he absolutely loves it. So we've looked a little bit at what Jesus taught and what he commended. What did he do? And the idea that I want to stress here is that Jesus, he gave everything. He gave everything for the sake of others. Um, although Jesus talked a lot about money, as far as we can tell, while he was here on earth, he didn't have um, very much of it. Though he was rich, he became poor for the sake of his ministry here. And, and during that time, he relied on the generosity of some of his followers to support him. But what we do see is that Jesus was incredibly generous and open-handed as a person. You know, do you remember, he, he completely debunked the idea that there's no such thing as a free lunch by literally feeding thousands of people on more than one occasion. Um, he, had, he was generous with his time. He had time for the marginalised in society. And it occurs to me that if he was in any way like tight-fisted, then it, he probably would have appointed Matthew as his treasurer rather than Judas, of all people. But we see his generosity most vividly, not through what he did with his money, but what he did with his life. He willingly and he consciously gave his life for us on the cross. The Bible talks of this in many places, doesn't it? But, but these are some words of, of Jesus. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life for many, it says. Other places in the Bible, it says that he did it for the whole world, for people even while they were sinners, and for us. He did it for us in this room. And this has transformed billions of lives, understanding and seeing this. But one person whose life was completely turned upside down by this realisation was Jesus' friend, John. And this is something that John wrote in one of his letters, 1 John 3.16. He said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. John's definition of what it is to love others had been redefined because he was there. He was one of the few that was there at the foot of the cross and he'd looked up and seen what it is to sacrifice. And, you know, after that, he spent years just going around urging people, the church, to, to get this. Um, there's a story um, that, you know, I guess we don't know if it's true, but it was told by the early church father, Jerome. Apparently one day, John was, um, as a very old man, he was carried into the church in Ephesus to speak to them there. And um, I was just thinking, can you imagine that, by the way? If you're like, today we've got a guest speaker, it's John, as in the John, like the one that sat next to Jesus at the Last Supper. And so you'd want to know what he had to say, wouldn't you? And apparently the people listened, leaned in, but instead of a sermon, John simply said, little children love one another. And he just repeated it over and over again. And when they asked, like, why, why, why are you saying that? He replied, because that is the Lord's command. And if this is done, this is enough. See, John understood that when you 
come face to face and you consider and you grasp the incredible, indescribable love of God, the natural response to that is want to express that love like he told us to. And if you continue, like the little bit of his letter that I read just a moment ago, if you continue on, just listen to how he continues. He says, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he starts to get practical about what this is going to look like in practice. He says, if anyone has any material if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. He gets practical and he explains to love people, you're going to feel it, not just in your heart, you're going to feel it in your bank balance, in your wallet. Because if we're living a life that's in light of all that Jesus has done for us, it becomes natural then when we see somebody, when we see a friend who's struggling to pay their bills, it's natural to offer, oh, I wonder if I could help. But when you hear about a friend whose washing machine's broken down, they can't afford to repair it, to think, I wonder if I could do anything about that. Or maybe when we, you know, we see a friend or a family and we suspect that Christmas might be a tricky time, we think, maybe it's time for Santa to turn up a little bit early with a brown envelope and pop it through the, wind, through the letterbox. Or when we hear about fellow humans suffering on the other side of the world, we take some action about it. And you know, when you read, if you read in the New Testament through the, the Acts, and you hear about what the early church got up to, you, you see they really got this. They were captured by it. They were radically loving and generous to each other. And they expressed extraordinary generosity to the world in so many ways. It's amazing. We have this slide here, if you're interested, we're not going to go through all of this, but you might want to just get your phone out, take a picture of that, and have a look at some of these things this week. Some of the stuff they did was extraordinary. They were hardcore when it came to generosity. And the, one of the reasons that I wanted to just put this slide up for a moment was to... The, one of the points I wanted to make with this is that if we're asking the question, so why would we now give money to the church... It's because by giving to the church, I believe that we are able to express generosity in the same ways that the early church did in the New Testament. So by, when you give money to the church, it's a means of supporting one another in the church. It's a means of blessing the needy. It's a means of supporting the mission and work of this local church and those who are called to vocational ministry. And it's a way of supporting the wider church, just like they did. Um, so for just going to go through those things. When you give um, to the church, um, we support one another through resourcing ministries which we all benefit from, like small groups and pastoral care and Sundays and Trent Kids and Trent Youth and students and so on and so on. When we give to the church, we bless those who are in need. 22% um, of all the money that comes in um, is, is put aside and we use that, we allocate that to spend on things that don't directly benefit us in the church. So it's fun stuff like Trent Compassion, um, supporting organisations and partner charities that help with those in need, or overseas, and it's um, something that we're able to do. You know, when, it, when, it, when we hear about a need that's emerging somewhere, um, we can use some of that money to respond. So, for example, just in the last year, we sent £10,000 to the earthquake appeal in, after the earthquake in Turkey. Um, in October, we sent uh, £3,000 and £7,000 um, in response to natural disasters in Morocco and Libya. And just this last week, 
Um, the trustees approved um, sending £20,000 from our set-apart fund to Tear Fund's Middle East appeal in response to the humanitarian crisis in Israel and Gaza. And so if you give to the church, part of, you're part of those things. When we give to the church, we, like the, like the early church, we support the mission and work of this local church and those who are called to vocational ministry. In other words, it pays for the staff team's wages and, and it facilitates everything that goes on. It pays for the chairs, it pays for the heating, which I appreciate those things, you know, maybe don't sound so exciting. But when you think what it facilitates, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, who was here when we baptised 49 people? That was amazing, wasn't it? 49 lives transformed by Jesus. And, you know, many of them met God through ministries here, like Alpha, um, where they were able to explore faith over a nice meal in a nice environment that was paid for by you. It's an investment in eternity. And finally, when we give, like the New Testament church, we support the wider church. For example, 5% of what comes in goes back out the door to the wider vineyard movement. So if you'd like to see a little bit more detail of how that budget is broken down, um, you can find a bit more detail on the vision page of our website. But essentially, basically, the bottom line is it mobilises a phenomenal amount of kingdom activity. And I believe it's an investment in eternity. Now, if you're not part of a church or if you're not a Christian, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian at this point in time, whilst I hope this is all you know, perhaps slightly interesting and informative, my first encouragement to you on this whole topic would be, before talking about giving, I would encourage you to focus on your journey with Jesus and on seeking a church family to call your home. That's the first priority. But if you would call yourself a Christian and you are a member of a local church, whether that's here at Trent or elsewhere, and you aren't already doing so, I would encourage you to consider giving regularly and generously to your local church as a means of embracing the type of generosity that Jesus taught and celebrated and the early church modelled to us. I think it's an important part of Christian discipleship, um, and it's a way of demonstrating that we want every area of our lives Um, including our finances, to be submitted to him. It's a way that we can express trust in God's provision and recognise that everything that we have comes from him. So if you're in that place and you're thinking, yeah, I I think I might want to begin to do that, I guess one question, the big question then is, so how much should I give? Um, And as you begin to answer that question, if you look around, you'll probably come across this word that Christians use called tithing. Um, it's a Bible word, um, and basically, like to translate it, it basically means tenthing. Um, it, it, it describes, or people use it to describe the practice of giving 10% of one's income um, to the church. And many people in the church do this regularly each month. Now, there's different views on how to interpret what the Bible teaches about tithing on this. Some people, they look at the Bible and they, their interpretation would be that tithing, the 10% figure very much remains like a fixed requirement of all believers. Um, others would suggest it's, it's more of a guideline or even others would suggest that it's like an Old Testament idea that's obsolete in light of the New Testament teaching. And if you're interested in kind of digging into this topic a little bit more, about this time last year I did a talk that, where I went a bit more detail into the whole, what we think about tithing. Um, but if you'd prefer to just have the 30-second summary, some of you are like, yeah, 30-second summary every time. Um, 
We hold the view here at Trent um, that generosity does not begin or end with 10%. Um, but we do believe that the tithe is a most helpful and it is a biblical guideline. It's a meaningful benchmark um, or a rule of thumb for what generous giving looks like, but it's not a law. Um, and depending on a person's circumstances, for some, generous, heartfelt, sacrificial giving will be less than 10% because of their situation. Um, whereas for others, you know, if your income is at a level where you can give 10% without really feeling it much, and it isn't involving really sacrificing much of what you want, the Lord might you know, be challenging and speak, speaking to you about recalibrating what generosity looks like and spurring you on to more. Um, so, in other words, we, we don't have any fixed or firm expectations about this. And just to be clear as well, it's probably helpful to point out that apart from, you know, one or two people that work in the finance office, um, none of us know how much anybody gives. All I would say um, is that if we're seeking to be, as a disciple of Jesus, r- radically generous, if our giving looks like essentially just like chucking a few quid um, and we don't really feel the sacrifice of that, Um, um, whilst that money, don't get me wrong, it's very welcome and will certainly put it to good use. Um, I think if we're looking at what the Bible and what the New Testament's um, model of generosity is, I don't think it's quite the same as that. But what I really hope is the thing that's come across um, over and above all of that in this talk, more than talk of percentages, is that generosity is first and foremost about the posture of our heart. Remember the story of the widow. And the question that I can't help but wonder is, can you imagine how much difference we could make if everybody who was a Christian, if everybody who's part of this church or everybody who was part of the church decided to be radically generous? I've heard various estimates of, um, you know, what it would mean if, especially if like the Western, if the wealthy Christian church, if if everybody gave, it would just be an extraordinary amount of resources. It could change the world. And I believe if we did it here, we could change our city even more than what we're already doing. Um, Because there is a need. We mentioned earlier in the year that due to increases on things like the living wage cost, um, because we're a living wage employer, utilities costs, mortgages, um, and and things like that, our budget forecasts at the moment, we anticipate that for this year, for the next couple of years, our outgoings are most likely going to exceed our income. Um, And that will mean that we will be likely to to need to draw significantly on our, thankfully, very healthy reserves. Um, And we'll have to make some priority decisions about how we resource our different ministries. We're going to have to do that in in order to pursue all the things that we we feel called to. However, I think it's worth saying that if, though, if the giving was to increase more quickly than we anticipate, and we're able to kind of close that gap between outgoings and income more quickly, sooner than budgeted, it would leave us less constrained in what we're able to invest in the kingdom and it would open up even more exciting new opportunities. So I would just say, whether you are um, already faithfully giving or if you're yet to start, um, if you would call this your church, if you would call yourself a believer of Jesus, I would seriously encourage you to give, you some, give this some thought and review your giving. Take some action if you feel prompted to do so. Um, It might be, for example, that your income has grown, um, but you haven't got around to adjusting it to the level you intended. If you're making any changes, um, it would be really helpful if you could let the finance team know. There's an email address that you can use to do that. Yep, there it is. And if you'd like to start giving, 
um, you'll find some details. If you, there's a QR code that you can scan on the screen. We'll leave that up there for a while. And you can also, on the way out, there's little um, signs with that QR code on, or just the link, trentv.org slash give. You can use that. There's also leaflets um, that you can pick up on, at Connect or on the way out of the exits. Um, just to re reiterate, though, um, I realise that this is a tricky time to talk about this topic, and this will be a tri tricky topic for many people. If you are under financial pressure, um, I really hope that what I've said today hasn't placed any burden on you that the Lord wouldn't want to. Um, and I really hope, um, as I mentioned earlier, step forward, money advice, whilst they are currently stretched, if you feel that it's time to reach out to them for some support, they would love to hear from you. You can pick up um, their details at the Connect area or you can go online and do it there.